A Journal of the Plague Year, being observations or memorials of the most remarkable occurrences, as well public as private, which happened in London during the last great visitation in 1665, written by a citizen who continued all the while in London, never made public before. Episode 21 But what happened when the infected got out, when they escaped from shut-up houses or roamed the streets, delirious, before the authorities became aware of their illness? This episode relates several incidents in which persons dying of the disease ran amok, assaulted others, threw themselves in the river, or other equally dire things. So notwithstanding his belief in the general inefficacy of the quarantine, the author allows us how it had one beneficial effect, reducing the number of these incidents, thus saving many lives. It is true that shutting up of houses had one effect, which I am sensible was of moment, namely, it confined the distempered people who would otherwise have been both very troublesome and very dangerous in their running about streets with the distemper upon them, which, when they were delirious, they would have done in a most frightful manner, and as indeed they began to do at first very much, till they were thus restrained. Nay, so very open they were that the poor would go about and beg at people's doors, and say they had the plague upon them, and beg rags for their sores, or both or anything that delirious nature happened to think of. A poor, unhappy gentlewoman, a substantial citizen's wife, was, if the story be true, murdered by one of these creatures in Aldersgate Street, or that way. He was going along the street, raving mad, to be sure, and singing. The people only said he was drunk, but he himself said he had the plague upon him, which it seems was true and meeting this gentlewoman, he would kiss her. She was terribly frighted, as he was only a rude fellow, and she ran from him. But the street being very thin of people, there was nobody near to help her. When she saw he would overtake her, she turned and gave him a thrust so forcibly, he being but weak, and pushed him down backwards. But very unhappily, she being so near, he caught hold of her and pulled her down also, and getting up first, mastered her and kissed her, and which was worst of all, when he had done, told her he had the plague, and why should she not have it as well as he? She was frighted enough before, being also young with child, but when she heard him say he had the plague, she screamed out and fell down into a swoon, or in a fit, which, though she recovered a little, yet killed her in a very few days, and I never heard whether she had plague or no. Another infected person came and knocked at the door of a citizen's house where they knew him very well. The servant let him in, and being told the master of the house was above, he ran up and came into the room to them as the whole family was at supper. They began to rise up, a little surprised, not knowing what the matter was, but he bid them sit still. He only came to take his leave of them. They asked him, why, where are you going? Going, says he, 
I have got the sickness and shall die tomorrow night. Tis easy to believe, though not to describe, the consternation they were all in. The women and the man's daughters, which were but little girls, were frighted almost to death and got up, one running out of one door, one at another, some downstairs and some upstairs, and getting together as well as they could, locked themselves into their chambers and screamed out at the window for help, as if they had been frighted out of their wits. The master, more composed than they, though both frighted and provoked, was going to lay hands on him and throw him downstairs, being in a passion. But then, considering a little the condition of the man and the danger of touching him, horror seized his mind, and he stood still like one astonished. The poor distempered man all this while, being as well diseased in his brain as in his body, stood still like one amazed. At length he turns around. Aye, says he, with all the seeming calmness imaginable. Is it so with you all? Are you all disturbed at me? Why, then I'll even go home and die there. And so he goes immediately downstairs. The servant that had let him in goes down after him with a candle, but was afraid to go past and open the door, so he stood on the stairs to see what he would do. The man went and opened the door and went out and flung the door after him. It was some while before the family recovered the fright, but as no ill consequence attended, they have had occasion since to speak of it, you may be sure, with great satisfaction. Though the man was gone, it was some time, nay, as I heard, some days, before they recovered themselves of the hurry they were in, nor did they go up and down the house with any assurance till they had burnt a great variety of fumes and perfumes in all the rooms and made a great many smokes of pitch, of gunpowder and of sulphur, all separately shifted and washed their clothes and the like. As to the poor man, whether he lived or died, I don't remember. It is most certain that, if by the shutting up of houses the sick had not been confined, multitudes who in the height of their fever were delirious and distracted would have been continually running up and down the streets, and even as it was a great number did so, and offered sorts of violence to those they met, even just as a mad dog runs on and bites at everyone he meets. Nor can I doubt but that, should one of those infected, diseased creatures have bitten any man or woman while the frenzy of the distemper was upon them, they, I mean the person so wounded, would as certainly have been incurably infected as one that was sick before and had the tokens upon him. I heard of one infected creature who, running out of his bed in his shirt in the anguish and agony of his swellings, of which he had three upon him, got his shoes on and went to put on his coat, but the nurse, resisting and snatching the coat from him, he threw her down, ran over her, ran downstairs and into the street directly to the Thames in his shirt, the nurse running after him and calling to the watch to stop him. But the watchman, frighted at the man and afraid to touch him, let him go, upon which he ran down to the stillyard stairs, threw away his shirt and plunged into the Thames, and, being a good swimmer, swam quite over the river. And the tide being coming in, as they call it, that is, running westward, he reached the land not till he came about the falcon stairs, where landing, and finding no people there, it being in the night, he ran about the streets there, naked as he was, for a good while, when, 
It being by that time high water, he takes the river again and swam back to the stillyard, landed, ran up the streets again to his own house, knocking at the door, went up the stairs and into his bed again, and that this terrible experiment cured him of the plague. That is to say, that the violent motion of his arms and legs stretched the parts where the swellings he had upon him were. That is to say, under his arms and his groin, and caused them to ripen and break, and that the cold of the water abated the fever in his blood. I have only to add that I do not relate this any more than some of the other, as a fact within my own knowledge, so as that I can vouch the truth of them, and especially that of the man being cured by the extravagant adventure, which I confess I do not think very possible. But it may serve to confirm the many desperate things which the distressed people, falling into deliriums and what we call light-headedness, were frequently run upon at that time, and how infinitely more such there would have been if such people had not been confined by the shutting up of houses. And this I take to be the best, if not the only good thing, which was performed by that severe method. On the other hand, the complaints and the murmurings were very bitter against the thing itself. It would pierce the hearts of all that came by to hear the piteous cries of those infected people who, being thus out of their understandings by the violence of their pain or the heat of their blood, were either shut in or perhaps tied in their beds and chairs to prevent their doing themselves hurt, and who would make a dreadful outcry at their being confined, and at their being not permitted to die at large, as they called it, and as they would have done before. This running of distempered people about the streets was very dismal, and the magistrates did their utmost to prevent it. But as it was generally in the night, and always sudden when such attempts were made, the officers could not be at hand to prevent it, and even when any got out in the day, the officers appointed did not care to meddle with them, because, as they were all grievously infected, to be sure, when they were come to that height, so they were more than ordinarily infectious, and it was one of the most dangerous things that could be to touch them. On the other hand, they generally ran on, not knowing what they did, till they dropped down stark dead, or till they had exhausted their spirits so as they would fall, and then die in perhaps half an hour or an hour. And which was most piteous to hear? They were sure to come to themselves entirely in that half hour or hour, and then to make the most grievous and piercing cries and lamentations in the deep, afflicting sense of the condition they were in. This was much of it before the order for shutting up of houses was strictly put in execution, for at first the watchmen were not so vigorous and severe as they were afterward in the keeping the people in. That is to say, before they were, I mean some of them, severely punished for their neglect, failing in their duty and letting people who were under their care slip away, or conniving at their going abroad, whether sick or well. But after they saw the officers appointed to examine into their conduct were resolved to have them do their duty or be punished for the omission, they were more exact, and the people were strictly restrained, which was a thing they took so ill and bore so impatiently that their discontents can hardly be described. But there was an absolute necessity for it, that must be confessed. Unless some other measures had been timely entered upon, and it was too late for that. Had not this particular, of the sick being restrained, as above, 
been our case at that time, London would have been the most dreadful place that ever was in the world. There would, for aught I know, have as many people died in the streets as died in their houses. For when the distemper was at its height, it generally made them raving and delirious, and when they were so, they would never be persuaded to keep in their beds but by force. And many who were not tied threw themselves out of windows when they found they could not get leave to go out of their doors. <laughs>